0: and welcome to another Geek Town Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Dave Elliott, and this week we go behind the scenes with composer Jefferson Friedman. So Jefferson is a multi-award-winning classical composer, but back around 2014, he made the switch from writing straight classical music to move to L.A., and become a composer for film and TV as well. Since moving to LA, he has worked on things such as the DC Powerless series, which ran on NBC in the US. He also worked on the Netflix series uh, Wet Hot American Summer. But the things that we're here mainly to talk to him about are two shows which I absolutely adore. New Amsterdam, the medical drama, which runs on Amazon Prime over here, and the DC Universe animated Harley Quinn series, which hasn't aired here yet. And at the time of the interview, it hadn't actually been picked up. Now we know it is coming to E4. I have seen the first episode of it. It is hilarious and one of the best depictions of Harley Quinn you will ever see. It's going to be so worth watching when it eventually lands on uh, E4. It's a much more adult take on Harley Quinn than we've ever seen before. Um, I love the animation style. I love the voice. It's just brilliant. New Amsterdam, as anybody who's listened to the show on a regular basis knows I I absolutely adore that medical drama it's really good that's the one that starred Ryan Eggold and uh, we've interviewed the cast for that before which you can find back on previous podcasts if you want to go and listen to those In addition to the Behind the Scenes podcast, we do, of course, do Geek Town Radio, which is our weekly TV, gaming and film show. You can go and listen to that. That comes out on a Tuesday. Uh, The Behind the Scenes podcast comes out later on in the week. You can go and find all of this stuff on the Geek Town Radio feed on various podcast apps, or you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk. Here's the interview with Jefferson Friedman, composer on DC University's Harley Quinn and New Amsterdam
1: Tap the banner to go to monday.com.
0: Thank you for coming on. It's sure. lovely to have you to, to chat. It's interesting with you because, you know, I've interviewed quite a lot of composers at this point. And, you yeah, know, the first thing I do is go to the IMDb page. And usually when they're on reasonably big shows like New Amsterdam or like the new Harley Quinn series, there's there's this whole list of credits where they, they did time doing kind of, you know, grunt work for somebody else. <laughs> like Yeah. And, and you get to yours, and and there's like straight in there with like TV yeah. movies, and then. So, what is your background? Because you started out sort of having a very successful career in classical music, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I I paid my dues. For 20 years in classical music, in a certain sense, that's not saying that just because I was a prominent classical music composer uh, means anything in this town. It doesn't. But (laughs) um, obviously, when I came here, let's see, I'm 45 now. So I came here when I was like 38 or so. I was coming from a very different place than a 22 year old who just graduated from USC. And, uh, you know, being 38, I've made connections along the way. And so I had a few friends out here who were pretty prominent in composing and they helped me get my footing out here. Yeah. So that's really basically the story.
0: Yeah. What prompted you to make the change from doing straight classical stuff through to to actually doing film and TV?
1: Well, if you want some real talk, I was totally miserable. Right. So, you know, when you're in your 20s and your 30s, you can counteract the pain and loneliness that comes with being a classical music composer. With, like, youthful adrenaline and energy but then you get to your late 30s and you sort of like lose that compensating factor and then you're just sad and lonely and depressed (laughs) and i was like this is not fun anymore and this is not healthy for me Yeah, yeah and then i got nominated for a grammy And came out here for the ceremony and stayed with my friend, Craig Wedren, who I write New Amsterdam with. Right. And we put out a record together. I was in his band when I was 24. We have a long history with each other. Okay. And so I came out here for the Grammys and I stayed in his house. And I was like, wow, he's got an amazing setup here. He's got a beautiful house in Hollywood. He supports his family and writes music and seems happy, gets to collaborate with cool people. And, uh, so I was like, well, I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I yeah. <laughs> came out here with a suitcase and a dream and it seemed to work out. Um, yeah but so yeah
0: we're definitely a good move i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's weird i mean you know as i say i've interviewed quite a few composers and uh, they come from all sorts of different backgrounds but it's the same sort of thing with the guys that are in rock bands they sure. get to about 30 and it's like oh, i don't want to be doing this touring stuff
1: anymore yeah i mean it takes that kind of like it to do something that that you have to be that personally dedicated to that takes like Every ounce of your soul. Not to say that I ever phoned it in for film and TV, but no, I'm I'm helping someone else's soul get out there, out here. But what once you get to a point where it's just like it takes so much energy to be in charge of the show when it comes to music, whether it's a rock band or jazz musician, classical composer, anything like that. It's like so then you're like well, I can either move to Oregon and run a little antique store or like, you know, <laughs> do try to make this work in some other way with like all the training that I've had.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that was moving to LA was probably the better decision so actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems to have worked out okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, it seems to be doing well. Well, I mean, the the new show that you're on at the moment uh, or I guess will have finished by now
1: from your point of view, but uh Harlequin, actually we still have a few more episodes. Oh. We're still working on it
0: okay so uh harley Quinn, which is a dc universe show in the us so Good. i have seen the first episode of it I it's brilliant it's
1: yeah i love it's the show.
0: just hilariously funny um, and it's a very different version of harley than we've seen i think anywhere so i really enjoyed watching it presumably that came to you because you worked on powerless previously with the same guys
1: exactly uh we we worked on powerless together and uh we you know just really connected personally and creatively and uh actually when we were at the final mix of the final episode of Powerless, I guess it was like almost three years ago now, Pat, one of the showrunners, just mentioned to me that they were developing this Harley Quinn show. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm available. And he's like, Yeah, we'll call you, don't worry. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, and so then, you know, when it came time to actually start working on the music, obviously uh, they hired me and the rest is history.
0: Yeah. And when it does come to approaching the music for something like Harley Quinn, I mean, it's this bonkers mix of kind of orchestral stuff. And then you've got like punk rock and all sorts of other yeah. things mixed in there. So so where do you start when you trying to approach the, the music for this?
1: Well, there are two ways in which you start. One is which my own personal process and. that. And also like a collaborative conversation with the creators. So when they told me three years ago that they were doing this Harley Quinn show, like I spent the last three years sort of periodically thinking about the show and thinking about what I would want the music to sound like. Right before we started the post-production process, uh, I sat down with Pat and Justin and Dean, the three people who's, who brought the show to life. And Jen Coyle, who's the lead animator, right. um and we sat in a room together and we just talked about what we wanted the palette of the music to be and I threw out some ideas and they basically bit on all of them. And we were like very much on the same page as to what we wanted it to sound like. And yeah, it's all over the place and it is bonkers. And that's because so is Harley, you know, I yeah. mean, like, it's just, you know, the producers I've seen interviews with them where they say the show is kind of like the way Gotham looks through her eyes. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like, she's kind of an unreliable narrator in that sense. And so, you know, the, uh, I guess the sort of scattershot bonkers nature of the music is meant to like be like the soundtrack going on in her head, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, uh, the way she interacts with the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Were you a fan of the DC stuff before?
1: Oh, yeah. Sure. You know, I grew up a nerd. And so <laughs> along with that, along with that comes. Or, I guess, a geek is probably better for you, right? Yes. Um, but, uh, um, and along that with that comes like reading comic books, of course. Yeah. I had a few friends who were like really, really into comic books. I, I can't pretend that I was a super fan of comic books, but I read plenty when I was a kid and obviously kept up with everything because I had a couple nerd slash geek friends who are big <laughs> comic book fans.
0: So when it came to this, did you look at any of the comic book stuff for reference just to get some influence for for the characters or look at any of the, because that has been other animated things obviously and live action so sure. did you look at
1: any of that? Well, I mean I'm like super aware of all the DC universe and I've seen like most of the stuff and in fact I just didn't read yesterday where I remembered. I I've logged so many hours on those Arkham games um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, all the DLC there's like a Harley Quinn DLC and like, you know, there's like deep cut characters in those games, just yeah. like in, in Harley Quinn, the show. So like, you know, even though I wasn't like a super fan of DC because I played those games so much, like I knew who killer Croc was, I knew who uh, King shark was, all of these like minor characters. And, and so I think that that's, honestly where my my deepest education of the dc universe came from but of course i've seen all the all the dark knight movies i saw suicide squad you know, I used to watch Batman the Animated Series. And um, so, you know, I've uh, I've known about Harley Quinn, the character, for a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. When you're, you're writing the music for the show, I mean, obviously there's there's a sort of overall kind of idea for it. But are you writing individual themes for the characters as well?
1: Yeah, every, it was very important to me to, for every character to have a very recognisable theme. Right. Because it's a cartoon and and I think it's kind of expected that the music works that way. Yeah. As opposed to, let's say, New Amsterdam, the other show that I work on where it's much more abstract, like you're not going to have a character, a, no. a distinctive theme for each one of the doctors. But yeah. like Batman needs to sound like Batman and the Joker needs to sound like Joker and so it was very important to me to make sure that those are all separate from each other, and they're only used for those characters to really like heighten the definition of the characters.
0: I mean, it makes sense certainly for an animated show, and and they are so distinctive as well. Those characters, so well, thanks. The themes are just great. So, are there any particular instruments you're settling on for you know, that that you find suit particular characters more than others?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's sort of. Where I start the process is coming up with the sound for the character. Joker, I spent a lot of time coming up with his like off kilter, out of tune sound for the carnival aspect of his music to sort of like yeah jing jingly jangly stuff so just finding that dialing in that particular sound then that affected the notes and the rhythms and all of that stuff same with harley obviously you know the punk rock stuff affects so let's say for harley right she uh, has two costumes. She has the Harlequin costume and then she has the more uh, suicide squad era punk look. Yeah. And so her music is a combination of that. So it's like that carnival stuff mixed with punk rock. Um, and that's more of like inspired by the costume design more than anything else, you know? right. Um, So inspiration can come from all sorts of different places or like Aquaman, who will be in like two episodes later. You know, I wanted it to sound like his theme was ancient Roman because like he's from Atlantis. Yeah. And also has like an underwater aspect. How do you make music sound like it's underwater? You know, I I don't know. That's just (laughs) that that comes with like, you know, 30 years of experience. And then you just sort of use your intuition and feel it, you know. What
0: was the most challenging? thing working on a show like that
1: i love the show so much like i would be a super fan of this show if i wasn't working on it and again like going back to what i was saying about being a classical composer and really dedicating your whole creative output to it because i love the show so much like i feel personally invested in this show in a way that maybe on some other projects that i've worked on i didn't feel as connected to Which means, which goes and going along with that means that I I do have to like expend that extra creative energy in order to make everything like exactly the way I want it.
0: Yeah, I I know this is like asking you to pick one of your children, but do you have... um. Do you have a particular favorite bit or or theme from the show?
1: I mean, I get, I, I, exactly. It's like choosing a a kid. And I honestly, I I change my mind every day, you know, or (laughs) whichever cue I'm working on. But like, I really like Poison Ivy's theme was the hardest theme for me to come up with. Right. And I think it's one of the ones that I'm most proud of because she's such a tough nut to crack in the way that she's depicted because she's a super powerful super villain but also is like this emo girl like so how do you reconcile those two things with one another and it took a a lot of work to get that sound exactly right
0: plus it has to sound like plants so (laughs) now i'm not
1: sure how you do that oh yeah no there's a huge organic part to her i mean that was the first that's where i started i was like okay her theme needs to sound organic somehow yes so there's all this texture in her theme that sounds like insects or birds chirping or you know it's a it's a subtle thing but it, it sort of creates a um, a background, in the same way that, like, uh, you know, an animator will draw the background of a thing that the um, audience doesn't necessarily consciously look at, unless they're super into animation, but it creates this sort of canvas on which this the scene is played. So, same thing with writing a theme like that or music in general
0: yeah yeah uh, as i say i i've seen the first episode of the show i i love it i think it it's brilliant but the other show that you're working on as well is uh new amsterdam um mm-hmm. which i was i'm a huge huge fan of uh, this show i i don't do that yeah, many nice. medical dramas but new amsterdam i just really love i think it's it's really unique in how they put it together and interesting and different and it actually as on amazon over here okay oh, it's Dropped on as a box set, so we've got like the first nine episodes I think at the moment or whatever the first half of the season was gotcha. um, you're working on this with with your friends, so there's two of you working on it I mean you couldn't really have two shows that are more polar opposite
1: really I wouldn't have thought it's true it's true
0: it's a really kind of interesting score because it's it's not like you'd expect sort of this to be more classical based because i I guess because it's medical or i uh, but it it isn't that it's well I mean how would you describe the music for that
1: well the brief that we got which is the brief that you always want from your executive producers when we first started putting the sound of the show together was make it weird and special and different and unexpected so Mm. I mean that's what you that's what you want as a composer is to be given like free reign to indulge in stuff and then honestly you're going to go too far
0: um, and then yeah
1: because you know because it's, it's still a network television show and then you dial it back a little bit and there are things that uh the producers latch onto and other things that are just too far but yeah so it's like really unique for a network show to give the composers that kind of control hmm. over the music or or the ability to sort of expand the idea of what the music and a medical drama sounds like. But I think New Amsterdam overall is kind of like redefining what a network medical drama is, you know. It's yeah. like political in a way, but not uh, doesn't bash you over the head, but certainly like talks deeply about social issues and, and there's more of a focus on the patients than there are in uh, previous yeah. medical dramas which are generally about the struggles of the doctors, but I like how they focus on the patients more and make it more about the medicine i guess you
0: know yeah i think it's really unique and different that show it's it's really quite interesting and and having stranger music to go with it i think is is entirely appropriate uh, <laughs> there was an episode i was watching i'm a little bit behind so i'm on episode five at the moment because it only went on fairly recently onto amazon i think it was episode five anyway there is a really interesting set of cues in that which are, are purely drums throughout, <laughs> throughout the
1: entire queue yeah which one is that
0: i think it's the carmen line, the, which is the one with the cancer patient. They've said that they won't cover surrogacy.
1: Oh, yeah. You mean the one with the, like, five-minute long set piece at the beginning with Bloom in the ER? Is that the one you're talking about?
0: No, that's the one after it. That's the church van one,
1: isn't it? That's yeah. When the ch- oh, yeah, right. The yeah, van van, so yes.
0: I, I think it's the one before that, where Max is basically running around the insurance company to try and get them to...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I remember. Yes.
0: In that episode, there are some purely drum... Solo
1: cues. Yeah. Which I mean, I thought was really interesting. Uh, I love all that drum stuff. And uh, actually, that's not, I, I I don't write a whole lot of those cues. My job is more of the like 20cc stat, like, right, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, um, uh, ER room stuff. And then also um, the kind of like dreamy, uh, emotional piano stuff. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think all that jazz drum stuff works fantastic for the show. It just feels like New York and gives it kind of a, uh, it uplifts the show,
0: you know. So is it a case of when you're working together on something like that, you, there are certain cues where you look at and go, well, like this fits me better or that fits him better or, you know, so is that how you divide it up?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's fluid and it also depends on the show, but there's like in this case, we sort of went to our separate corners when we were building the sound of the show and then cross-pollinated everything. So even though I don't generally work on those jazz cues, like I uh, sometimes do. And even though Craig usually doesn't work on the ER scenes, he sometimes does. And we both kind of split the devastating emotional, emotional piano cues between the two of us, because that's kind of both our natural state as composers. Like that feels, I think, more natural to both of us or the most natural to both of us
0: yeah the episode after that does have that quite long opening piece with uh, which is set in the er
1: and that uh, was mine yeah and that was one of the hardest cues i've ever written in my entire life <laughs> it, it was just cr- it's crazy like to write a five minute long piece it was almost like writing a ballet scene a ballet or something you know yeah in order, I mean, it really had to have this kind of shape that you aren't usually able to indulge in when you're working on TV. But once again, like, that's what you want, you know? Like, Peter Horton directed that episode, and he was very clear about what he wanted for the first five minutes of the show, and was just like, go for it, you know?
0: Right, yeah. Yes, Peter Horton, I've forgotten about that guy. Yes, <laughs> he's... Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. like, I, I used to watch 30-something. Uh, <laughs> that's
1: right, so did I.
0: Yeah. As I say, I, I really like that show. I think it's... It, it's fascinating, and I like the fact that their approach to music is as sort of as as kind of weird and out there as their approach to the show itself, which is great. You know. Yeah. Speaking of of strange things, one question that I always like to ask composers when I have them on is: given that you've been around for a while doing the various music things, are you a collector of instruments? And if so. What's the weirdest thing you've got in your collection? I want to be a collector of instruments,
1: <laughs> but one of the things that is becomes tough about classical music as you get older is that it doesn't really pay very much money. <laughs> right, um, yeah, yeah. So it was only pretty recently that I've been in a financial position to start a collection. But one of the percussion instruments we use on New Amsterdam is this uh, Mexican instrument called a charango, which is made from, um, or the, the the originals were made uh, resonating chambers made out of the shell of an armadillo oh, really? uh, And uh, I want to find one of the real ones so bad. And uh, honestly, it's probably illegal to import (laughs) into the United States at this point. But you know, just don't don't send this podcast to uh, any government, any customs official, or anything.
0: Hey, Nate Barr has trumpets made out of human bone. I think you can get away with an armadillo (laughs) shell.
1: Right? Exactly. (laughs)
0: so yeah I you've got these two shows running at the moment have you got anything else lined up right now not
1: right now I mean honestly working on those two shows is almost a full plate for me uh, right. pilot season still exists and is coming yes. up in a couple months and no, so true. hopefully I'll pick up a pilot or two and hopefully one of those will get picked up and then we'll take it from there
0: yes of course you'll be heading towards that soon so we've come to the last couple of questions and Uh, these are things that I ask everybody the same thing whenever we have them on. So the first one is what TV shows are you watching at the moment?
1: Uh, I actually... Uh, watching Succession and yes. and, and Fleabag ah. um, are the two shows that I'm watching I I've loved Phoebe Waller-Bridge for, for a long time I, I think I first saw her on uh, Broadchurch right? Yeah, and then watched Crashing mm. um, and thought Crashing was fantastic and then when it comes to TV shows that I'm really excited about it usually takes me longer to get around to watching them because I want a moment where in my life where I'm not completely stressed out by other stuff and can focus on it yeah. and And so uh, over the Christmas break, things are a little bit calmer. And so me and my wife sat down or laid down and watched the first season of Fleabag. And we're moving on to season two. And it's just fantastic. I love it so much.
0: Yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant show. It deserves all the awards that it's been getting. Absolutely,
1: absolutely.
0: As does Succession as well, of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, Succession is, for me, it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure because it's so over the top. Yeah. Uh, But I still still love it. I think the score is, the score for that is great too. Yeah,
0: no, it's brilliant. And if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show can be something from the past, something present or some sort of future genre, what show would it be?
1: Well, not that I was up for it, but I really, really wanted to get Watchmen on HBO. Right. Um, and like I wasn't in the mix or anything. But when I heard it was in development, I was just salivating over it. And I was like, I would be the perfect composer for this show. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't get it. But, uh, but yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind would be Watchmen show
0: yes we've we've talked quite a lot about Watchmen, and it was it was actually we we do a, an awards thing which mm-hmm. is voted for by the public and watchman was the thing that came top of the uh the best new comic book tv show so yeah I, I Clintons, mean, uh, so i love it
1: yeah i mean and sort of like uh related to that you know i was the biggest lost fan in the world when it was on i loved the leftovers and so honestly like i would love to work with damon lindelof one day because I love all this stuff, I think. We would really connect with each other. Yes. So you know, hopefully he listens to your podcast and he hears. It. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we don't know whether he's doing another series of Watchmen or not. I mean, it seems to have been a one-off, but um, yeah. we'll 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 see. Or you know, whatever he does next. Um, I mm-hmm. thought he did a spectacular job with that. So yes, fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been lovely chatting with you. Uh, you too. Let you go and get back to your day. I hope harlequin gets picked up because I thought it, the first episode was brilliant. Uh, and i will continue to watch new amsterdam and be waiting anxiously for the second half of that series to drop on amazon I'm here
1: so. excellent we're in the throes of the second half of the second season right now and uh things are uh, starting to pick up
0: so. yeah yeah no it's it's such a good show yeah. all right i will let you get back to it uh we'll have to talk again
1: some point in the future fantastic would love to all right bye, bye.